Beards for Radio. Is back, and that's one of our favorite things to talk about on the Beards for Radio podcast. I am Joe, and I'm Sasha. And uh, when uh, we first got on here, we were, Sasha and I, we were talking about loud and proud. Uh, you know what we're not proud of ever is the Detroit Lions. <laughs> there, there's no Lions pride in in this state or anywhere. Yeah, most definitely, man. I think um, I think it's it's too long. I think people are, are numb to it, and it's kind of sad because we shouldn't be numb to it, man. We should be always yeah. expecting, you know, more and you know greatness out of you know the Lions. I mean, they, you know, they're they're a longtime organization. You know, what I'm saying they're owned by one of the, you know, top companies in our state if not you know the world in the country yeah in the country you know so it's like you you, you feel you, you feel like they would take some pride into their football team as well but uh, you know what man it's just the same thing it's been going on the same thing it's been going on since I was seven years old man and people were like well you know they didn't lose the game yeah but they didn't win it and they didn't win a game against probably one of one of the one of the uh behind the, the worst teams they're gonna play Right, them or the Giants. You know, those are yeah. the worst teams they're gonna play. You know, and those are the worst teams in the league. And you, you get you tie them. It's like it's like you, I, it, like when people try to defend this dude, it just blows my mind. You have one of the worst teams that are breaking into a rookie quarterback. Kind of reminds you of like the Jets last year, right? Right. Right. And yeah. Murray came back and showed some fortitude in the fourth. You know what I'm saying? And, and brought his team back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? First three quarters, man, Lions looked pretty good. DJ Hawkinson impressed the crap out of me. You know what I'm saying? Like their offense looked better. They're throwing better schemes. And then all of a sudden, timeout comes from uh, 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 Bevel. Bevel. And then everything just turns to shit after that, dude. It's just like – like it's just so typical Lions SOL that it's like you you can't help but feel like oh here we go again you know and and then you're just like you're so numb to it they're just like ah just change the channel what's next you know what I'm saying and just yeah. and so hard- Sasha, it's it's not just a tie it's a tie that should have been a convincing win when you have an 18 point lead in the fourth quarter of the first game that uh not only it's the quarterback's first game, granted he is the number one overall pick defending Heisman winner, but the head coach was fired from Texas Tech like eight months ago. Right. He's coaching his first ever NFL game, and it showed. And yet somehow, somehow Matt Patricia and his staff were not the worst staff on that field. Like, it, it says something about Matt Patricia as a coach. He may have a good beard for radio, but this is two straight years where the Lions failed to come out and perform to any type of standard in the first week against a bad team. Yeah, and, um, you, you know, like, it will his head be on a pike at the end of this year if it ends like last year? I mean, do you think – that his job is on the line at this moment. Do I think it is? Yeah. It, it, well, if, if they end this season like they did last season, do you think Patricia's back next year? See, if we were a normal organization, no, he wouldn't be back. But since it's an organization where uh, his, his college buddy and his, his longtime pal from Boston is the general manager and was able to basically go through a mock interview with every other coaching candidate that wasn't Matt Patricia. Right. If they have the same exact record, well, well, they can't now because they tied, but say, say they now go six, nine and one. No, I don't think Matt Patricia will be fired. I'd, I would love for him to be fired, but I don't think he will. 
Yep, same here. I'm I'm with you too, man. I uh, I'm I'm I mirror what you're saying, Joe, because we're so used to this organization, the management, the ownership, like not holding their guys accountable. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Un- until and, it's like way, way too late. And, and we then, now we now are talking about six wins in a season as if it's a disappointment. And I'm just perusing through the schedule. I don't know where those six wins would come from. Like the Chargers this Sunday are a winnable game. Um, then you got the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Pack, the Vikings. I think those are four losses. You got the Giants. That should be an automatic W. Should be. Right. So hypothetically, let's say they got two wins uh, on October 27th after playing the Giants. Then they got the Raiders on the road. Okay, I, I think that's a winnable game. So right. best case scenario, let's say that's three wins. Then you're on the road in Chicago. That's not going to be a win. You're playing the Cowboys. Um, I don't think that's a win. At the Redskins, maybe. Let's say lucky break. That's four. Against the right. Bears, Thanksgiving. Nope, I'm not giving that to you. Uh, the, the Vikings, December 15th. I'd no say, way. I'd say maybe. So Their like, defense is way too strong, dude. That's right. And that's, that's Sue's return. And then um, right. you got the Broncos on the road and the Pack at home to close it out. I, I'm not sure yeah. I see six wins on that schedule if you can't finish out a team like Arizona in week one. Right. No, Joe, that, that you're absolutely right. That's that's how big like people don't realize that's how big this game was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If they won, it could it, it could have gave them a little momentum, a little push. You know what I'm saying? But like this dude, it's just, it's just as worse as a loss. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not gonna give them any kind of momentum push. You know what I'm saying? It's you know, I I feel like like Detroit's just st- stuck in the doldrums, man, and we're just on this ship in the middle of the ocean, and no wind is coming, and we're just bobbing there. And, it, and, it's, it's, been like, and it's been like that for s- decades now. It says so much when as soon as the first thing goes wrong. Mind you, the Lions still have a 24-6 to lead in the fourth. The first thing goes wrong, and every Lions fan across the nation is having the same thought. Yeah. Like if you if you logged on to Twitter as soon as the first bad thing happened, it it was all the same. It was all everybody. Oh, here we go. The chips are starting to fall. This is this is the start of it. And they're exactly right. They got no reason not to say that. And you know what's crazy, man? I'm not one to defend Stafford, but Stafford had a good game. That yeah, and, 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 and it, it was a, like an actual good game. It wasn't the one of those games where like they get down by 20 and he comes back and pats his stats stats in the fourth quarter. He had a really nice game throughout the move he made before uh, finding Danny Amendola for the touchdown was awesome. That was one of the better games I've seen in Matt Stafford's lions career. Right. And like, and like we, you can take it down to, to, to bubbles timeout. The, the right play, the, the play was called. And Stafford made the right move. That's what kills me. That's yeah. what kills me. Stafford made the right move to get us the first down, ran that play to perfection, and he turned and he was yelling, dude, trust me, trust me, trust me. And it's like, I kind of got to agree with the guy. You know what I'm saying? I definitely got to agree with him because if it, it, if you're going to implement this new offense, if you're going to put out a, a play out there, dude, you know what I'm saying? Trust your quarterback to perform it. And he yeah. performed it to a T, dude. And, like, that kills me, man, because it's like I'm under the impression that nobody else can call timeouts except for the head coach and players. You know what I'm saying? But in the midst – But, but then know, what, what happened on the very next play? An incomplete deep pass on third and five. That's right. You, you gave the Cardinals an extra timeout before the two-minute warning. And then right. – and then the punt gets blocked, and that's when you knew for a fact that the Cardinals were going to go drive right down the field. Larry Fitzgerald and his 100-year-old body are going to get into the end zone, and then they're going to get the two. It, there was no doubt in my mind once that punt was blocked. Right, and you know what, dude? And it's Larry Legend, man. I don't, oh, he's he's one of my all-time favorites. 
but he burned he, the secondary. Right, and he, and he not only that, dude. He's a he's he's a phenomenal human being off the field, but that's that's another story. Yes. But like, yeah, dude, like he ran his routes perfectly. Kyler Murray hit him perfectly. I mean, David Johnson even did the things out of his backfield to the point he needed to. You know what I'm saying? But like, who else is on that team? Kirk. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, <laughs> right. like, like it kills me that they got a Lions lot of rookies have, on that offense. Right, and he ran it, and they and they and they ran a pretty good offense in the fourth quarter, dude. You know what I'm saying? It's just like I don't get it. I just, I just don't get it. I'll never get it. Never understand it. Um, I like, I, I don't even know if I'll be alive to ever see the Lions win a championship, man. I'm hoping myself. I got like 60 more years left in me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's and it's a scary thing, dude. And it's been like that ever since I was six years old, man. You know, and the same thing's I, been happening for me since '89, dude. So I've been the same. I'm, I'm one of the people who has emotionally turned it off like you know they're not my number one team and we don't need to talk about my number one team because um it's gonna be a long process for my dolphins but that being said they're in the stages of a rebuild the dolphins are and they're finally tanking like a sidetrack from the lines for a second i was i i was not watching the baltimore ravens uh just totally sacrilege my Miami Dolphins. But, you know, I, I saw the score and I saw the highlights and I was glad. I was happy that that's, this was finally happening because I'm so sick of the Dolphins winning six, seven, eight, nine games and not making the playoffs or making the playoffs and getting bounced heavily in the first round and never improving. I'm fine with the Dolphins being one of the two worst teams in football for the next two, three years, if it means they're going to build something out of it. Right. True. Most definitely. But I don't think the Lions have that luxury really until I think Matt Stafford is gone or retires because, you know, they're not going to get rid of him. He's a sweetheart. You know what I'm saying? Half of his name has Ford in it. Um, (laughs) But anyway, I've turned off my emotions to the Lions. Like, and Shame on me. I was actually excited to watch this game. Like, I was out on Sunday afternoon, and I was like, I got to get home and watch this Lions game, you know? Because I thought this was going to be a game that for sure they would win, and it would be crucial for them later on in the season. They might as well have lost, because a tie does nothing for you. No, it does nothing for you. They almost did, because Stafford uh, almost just gave the ball right back to the Cardinals, but... Uh, what was the name? Brock. He tried to catch it with his face mask. <laughs> right. Lucky, dude, because that looked like a pick six, man. That looked like it could have ended it right there, dude. Even just, if he just catches know, just... it and falls down, you know, it's a field goal. Tremaine Brock, that was who it was. Right, right. No, I, I agree with you, man. That Scary moments. Scary moments and, like, and like f- for – you know, 80% of the game, Stafford did good. And then, like, the last 20%, dude, it was just like, well, what the F happened? You know what I'm saying? It was like, and I think it fell apart right – It all, to me, it fell apart, like, right after that timeout. Yeah. But after that timeout was called, I think I, I think that threw the whole offense for a loop. I think I think it affected uh, Stafford, you know, emotionally. I think he gets a little emotionally charged sometimes. And I think it, like, right. tr- trickles down and – you know, I think it it, it it helped to disengage a team from the game. And I don't think it's a good thing, you know, and obviously it's not a good thing. But this is stuff that a, le- a, a year 11 quarterback, you know, should not be having to worry about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, not being you should have that in field, check. So. Right. That, that, should be, that, that, that should be, you know, uh, 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 under wraps already. But, you know, the Lions are Lions. I don't, I don't see them. Winning, you know, I I see the ESPN, the 0 and 11 thing starting out. I see well, that it would be 0 10 and 1 now. Yeah, yeah, 0 10 and 1. I get, you know, might as I'm might as well be 0 and 11. I know this. I don't see this as a tie. I see this as you know just as bad as a loss. You know what I'm saying? So I don't see good things for the Lions, man. They have a they have a, a crazy uphill battle this uh, this year, and I just don't see it happening. If they lose to the Giants that's that's a whole new level of shit that's right that's pretty bad 
But I can see Saquon Barkley like putting up 250 yards on us, two touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Like I can see that. I can see that happening. And and most Lions fans, or pe- even if you're not Lions, if you've been, if you know the Lions' track record, you can say you want to put it past it. I'm not gonna yeah. put it past them. No. You know what I'm saying? And that's and that's sad to say. And I'm just, I mean, it's just uh, we're, we're this is a broken record. Detroit Lions fans were broken records every year. You know what I'm saying? We go in there with with high hopes, and then they, you know, you know, they shoot down, they shoot down our um, hot air balloon, dude, and we're just slowly trickling to the ground. <laughs> and you know, th- this has been the the narrative for Lions for a long, long time. And uh, I think if if they don't get rid of Patricia after this, if he, if this season goes the way that we're thinking it goes, and Patricia's here next year, I mean, this is a laughing stock. It could be a laughing stock of the city. It's just the laughing stock of the country. Is just how it goes of the league as well. The phrase that I've heard the most with Matt Patricia, not just not just locally, but from national, you know, football experts, he's right. in over his head. You know, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's in over his head. There's a reason he was on the New England sideline for so long without getting a head coaching job. It's because he had to wait for one of his buddies to get a job in a joke franchise town like Detroit and hire him away. There's a reason he was defensive coordinator there for so long. Like right. it, it took Brian Flores one year as a defensive coordinator, and his, his job title wasn't even officially defensive coordinator, but it took him <laughs> one year, and he found a head coaching job. Right, true, and I just think that Pat. Uh, I mean, like, and you can even look at Belichick's, you know, his underling track records of 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 his coordinators and his, uh, you know, assistant yeah. coaches leaving, and then they go somewhere else and they do completely shitty. Is because Belichick has himself one hell of a system. He knows what he wants out of his players and his staff, and he and he gets that out of them. And he eats his assistant's souls before he actually lets them leave. Right. He's like, he's not Belichick. He's Shane's son. Your soul yeah. is mine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, man. I, I mean, sometimes I, I don't think he knows what he's doing. And sometimes his reactions on the on the sidelines kill me, dude, with his pencil in his ear. And then he just has his, ah, oof, ah, that was close one. Oh, yeah. ah, it's like, bro, it's like, oh, my God, man. Like, honestly, and, like, this is this is getting pathetic now. And his, his non-answers in every single press conference, I don't – he can't give a straight answer to save his life. Everybody hated Jim Caldwell's press conferences because he was a straight-up dick. But at right. least he answered questions in a uh, in a very – precise manner you know he was very advertent about the way he answered his questions right Uh, we we haven't gotten a straight a straight up answer from patricia in the year and a half that he's been here right he goes he goes with the safe you know terminology and uh keeps everyone like what like oh we just need to do better it's on me you know we we tried hard our guys tried so hard out there it just came apart like Right, just something you know, that happens. Game of football, like shut the fuck up and hear that stuff already. I'm so sick of it. Right, and one of the reasons I was so I don't want to use the term excited, but one of the reasons I wasn't down in the dumps about this Lions team was the defensive line: Ashawn Robinson, Deshaun Hand, Snacks Harrison, Mike Daniels, Trey Flowers. Not a single one of them showed up on Sunday. Had it had it not been for Kyler Murray being four feet tall, you you wouldn't have known that they were even there. You know they had a couple of batted balls, but of course you're going to get that when you're the opposing quarterback is this is the size of a thirteen year old. <laughs> That's true, and and if and if your defensive line is touted the way they are, maybe they should have came and uh, uh came to the the OTAs and the camp a little sooner and not look sluggish like they did on the field. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, I, I mean, I, I know it's optional. It's, you know, it's optional. It's not mandatory. But you, you saw the results. They look sluggish on the field, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, don't report, we don't report in, you know, until like, you know, 
uh, a week or two before it's not even it, it, you're going to be out of shape. I don't care who you are. The guys, you know, th- those guys are Goliaths, man. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, th- I, I think I think lack of to me preparation. I think they look sluggish as hell. I think all uh, the whole defensive line looks sluggish. You know what I'm saying? For uh, us touting them and they're supposed to be like, ooh. No, our defense. Don't worry about our defensive line. You know, we got these guys. Well, those guys came into camp late. Those guys came in late. Those guys didn't condition as good as uh, some other teams. So yeah, and I can give Mike Daniels a pass because a month ago he was he was on a different team and a whole new system. Right. Everybody else, Trey Flowers and Snacks Harrison, they're getting paid a lot of money to play defensive end and defensive tackle for the Detroit Lions and straight up they were they were not a factor in, on Sunday right I hope I, I hope that their um, conditioning is caught up this week because they're definitely going to need it man they're yeah. definitely going to need it against Chargers and I know Chargers are down Mike Williams or down Hunter um, Hunter Henry. Henry no Melvin you know, Gordon Melvin Gordon's out but the, you know they got Euler. I, I I think that's his name, Euclid, Euler, that the running back that's uh, running behind him. I, yeah, yeah, he's he, he's gonna do just fine. They have a slew of other guys that are down, but they have something that the Lions don't have—a Hall of Fame quarterback. I was you know I saying? was gonna go there, a fiery quarterback who has won playoff games and won in difficult situations. Exactly, you know, and he's got talking, seventy kids. Right, we're talking exactly. How about that? We're talking about super. <laughs> I'm about super sperm Philip Rivers here. You know what I'm saying? I I, I love Philip <laughs> Rivers. I think Philip Rivers is a very very underrated quarterback for what he's done. You know what I'm saying? Um, and yeah, I think I think Philip Rivers isn't gonna let a lot of you know. I think he's gonna go roll what he has. He's gonna roll and he's gonna play football, man. You know what I'm saying? Even though you know they're dinged up and they're missing a uh, they're they're the number one tight end, the number one running back, the number two wide receiver. They still got Keenan Allen. They still got Euclid. They still got these guys. You know, I think they're going to be fine. But you know, I, I'm expecting the Lions to actually come in and put up a fight because I think they need to. I, they need to because I think the bodies on the, on the Chargers. You know, they're down. They're beat up. But they're not going to not come in here and not fight, dude. Especially right. with somebody that you know. Is leading, uh, that, that's leading the helm like Phil Rivers, you know. So, so. he's fiery, he's passionate. You want right, to talk about know? stamina? People with a lot of kids, you would think they would be tired all the time, but they got a certain stamina to them. And Phil Rivers, you could tell, has that stamina. It helps to be a multi millionaire NFL quarterback, but he's got it. it. Does. And then, and a, and a lot of black coffee, it helps out. I find so. <laughs> So no, no, most definitely, man. And, and Phil Rivers, dude, I, it's it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a pretty good game. I think the Chargers are gonna eke it out. You know what I'm saying? And and you, you, at this point, you gotta look back at track record. The Lions, oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, yeah. Phil Rivers, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 definitely thinking the Lions the Lions are gonna lose this week. But let, let's let, let's let's hope that they that they bring a little more fire than they did the at towards the end of the fourth quarter. You know what I'm saying? Not let stuff like this happen. You know, I'm used to the Lions, like, doing shitty the first three quarters and then turning it on in the fourth. You know what I'm saying? So this was yeah. kind of like a big flip for me. But they still need to finish out. They need to play a full from the beginning of the first quarter to the very end of the fourth. You know, the games aren't over until they're over, man. And and uh, I like the I like the fact that the plus is I like the fact that I saw them play the first three quarters with gusto and and moxie and you know and and good good mental fortitude. But in the fourth, man, it just their mental fortitude went down the drain. You know what I'm saying? Some opposite we usually see. They need to hone that in, dude, and and do what they do in the fourth that they did in the first, second, and third, and don't yeah. flip it around. For the life of them, don't flip it around. Don't go back to playing, uh, playing uh, Pat Stafford in the fourth. You know, trying to catch up. You know, what I'm saying because that'll never work. At least they they, they 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 got ahead of the game in the first three quarters. That's what I, that's what I want to see for this season. You know, what I'm saying I, I at least yeah. want to see them the, dominate in the beginning and then keep it and then keep it going. That's what I want to see because they did a complete 180 from what they usually do. 
that's the good thing I took out of this Cardinals game is that the, the first three quarters, they played like ballers. And I'm not used to used to seeing the Lions do that. First three quarters, we should have seen them play like crap and then try to play catch up in the fourth. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we need to keep that going all the way through the fourth quarter. And if they can do that, man, then maybe they can eke out six, seven, eight wins. Who knows? But un- until they fix that, you know, and we've been saying this for years, and I think everybody's been saying it for years. So we fix that, man. Just, there's no hope for this team. Yeah, it seems like there's always an if we can do this, if if that gets fixed. Right. Yeah. And I'm sick of the ifs, man, <laughs> you know. But that's that's Detroit in a nutshell, man. True. You want to uh, move on to the other disappointing team this weekend? Yes, my my Michigan Wolverines. I'll move on to them because you know what, Michigan is starting to turn to me like the collegiate lines. Oof, oof, that's you a know, take. That's a take. It's a hot take because you know what, we come in and I was like, well, they won the first two games. You got we. They looked so bad out there. I don't know what's going on with Shea Patterson. They put out a Dylan McCaffrey for one friggin' play and then take him out. You know what I'm saying? They're not, now they're saying Shea's injured. If he's injured, just take him out. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because he fumbled on the first play last week. This past this past game, I don't know what Harbaugh was doing, thinking, leaving him in the game. He looked so frazzled out there. You know what I'm saying? And, and granted, Army is a pretty good team. They had, what, like a, like nine out of 11 starters come back, something like that, high yeah. amount of numbers. They're not really that big of a pushover. I get it. And I've been hearing a lot of people say, well, you know what? They're just trying to get to Wisconsin so they can, you know, empty out their bag. And Tariq Black was saying the same thing. But it's just like, I, I don't bullshit me. You know, don't piss on yeah. my leg and tell me it's raining. And you know what I'm saying? Because you you can say I, that. I'm not if, it. You can say that if you win a tight game by 10 or 13 points. You know, you can't say that when Army had a chance to win on the last play of the game, they, they had a freshman kicker attempting his first ever field goal with a chance to beat you. And it had the distance. It was just wide right. right. And honestly, they're, they're lucky to be alive at 2-0 right now. Because Army, they, they succeeded at what they were doing until they went away from their specialty. If they don't throw it on third and five, you don't win. If you don't pick up a fourth and 10 with the, the up man throwing it to Daxton Hill and then get a pass interference call to extend the drive on third down later, you don't score until the second half. That's just that's what it is. Michigan right. is extremely fortunate to not be one and one at the moment with a, an okay win against Middle Tennessee State and a bad loss to Army. Army's legit, but that's a bad loss if you if you take that loss. Even if you look at it, I look at it as a bad win. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it's like they struggled against Army, which you know, like we said, but still they should not have struggled against Army. It, it shouldn't have gone down that man. And you know what kills me is that you know the good things I took away was you know Charbonneau had a had a pretty good game on the uh, on the on the ground. I want to see him more involved. Well, I want to know what's going on with Peoples Jones. I didn't even know he was out until the first game. I didn't even know he was going to be out the second game. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Nico looks good to me. Tariq looks good to me. Just we're back to the same thing, Joe. That I've been bitching about Michigan since me and you have known each other. There's no solid identity of who is the leader on the team. It's always a two quarterback deal. It's, you know what I'm saying? Who is it going to be? Is it going to be, is it going to be Patterson or is it going to be, uh, what's his face? McCaffrey. McCaffrey. You know, is it going to be O'Corn or is it going to be Spate? You know, this is, this is, I'm sick of it. Uh, you know, pick a quarterback, run with him. You're supposed to be this quarterback whisperer. Nobody's listening to you or you're talking way too light. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So it's like it's like and like where's Don Brown's defense? They're toting his defense being one of the best defenses in the league. Are you kidding me? I said it the fir- the, f- the first game when they had O'Hara's uh, Middle Tennessee O'Hara, their quarterback, running all over them, looked like a mini Lewerke out there, just working them with the feet. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, I, I don't see it from the defense, man. You know, I thought the defense, I thought they would have excelled from week one to week two. 
This team didn't look like it excelled. It looked like they stayed on a mesa, man. Just a platform, bro. And, and they just plateaued. So it's just like I, I don't know what to expect out of the, the Wolverines, man. And and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really really kind of dissect them until I watch this uh, Wisconsin game Saturday. I really want to watch a Wisconsin game because that's to me their biggest their biggest test, their first biggest test of the season. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm I'm hoping best case scenario is that they kind of played vanilla against their first two opponents. So they didn't pull out what was in the bag. But if you don't pull out what's in the bag to the point where it's almost going to get you a loss and overtime to Army, what is the point? You know what I'm saying? What is the point of holding back if you're going to lose and, right. and, 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 and disrupt your season? You know what I'm saying? So and, I'm glad they sneak by, and I hope that's what everyone's saying is that, okay, wait, hey, wait until wait, three black, or wait until our offense, wait until Wisconsin. Okay. I'll give them to Wisconsin, and then I'm really, really going to assess, you know, really make my assessment on what the Wolverines are, to be honest with you. And then after Wisconsin, they really kind of get into the teeth of their schedule. Like, yeah, you got Rutgers the week after Wisconsin, who should be a MAC team, but then you're playing Iowa. You're at Illinois, which should be a win. At Penn State, home against Notre Dame. At Maryland, who can now score 100 points a game. Uh, and then home against Michigan State, where Michigan State, Mark D'Antonio was four and one in the big house. He's won eighty percent of his games there. So, yeah, you better get it together quick. It's it's a pretty fortunate early buy for them this week because it gives them a chance to hopefully get the players that are hurt healthy and figure out some kind of identity because they got none. You know, we Michigan fans were told, you know, by uh, what's his, Josh Gaddis's Twitter that, uh, oh, hashtag speed in space. We're going to be going, we're going to use our athletes in space. It doesn't look like Josh Gaddis has both his hands on the wheel on the offense. It looks like he's got one hand on the wheel and Jim Harbaugh's got another hand on the wheel and his other hand on the clutch. Right. Who's really calling the plays there? And you're right. I mean, my bad. They're not playing Saturday, but when they play no, Wisconsin yeah. next Saturday, yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm with you, man. It's you're right. It's like, it's like he's like Har- Harbaugh's like, yeah, let's go ahead and drive. And then Harbaugh's yanking the wheel because he doesn't think he's gonna be driving straight. And those those people that like will get scared because they, oh my god, and you're like reach over, it's like, bro, sit back, you run a radio, put on your seatbelt, we'll talk, we'll go, man. But it's just like, right. yeah, he has to find some kind of trust in Gaddis, but. Like I still think that it, at the very end, he's still micromanaging. You know what I'm saying? I think Harbaugh is still in Gaddis. When Gaddis is like, all right, let's do this play, and Harbaugh's still kind of like, ah, yeah, well, uh, we're going to do it this way. You know what I'm saying? It's just like he doesn't put complete trust into his um, yeah. they, they coordinator. See, so it's like he's got to stop micromanaging, man. You brought it up about a month ago on one, one of our – episodes they spend too much time in the offseason making headlines talking about oh we're going to use two quarterbacks in ways that have never been done we're going to redefine what it means to be a starting quarterback um we're we're fighting with cincinnati and luke fickle on twitter blah you know we're fighting with words in our press conferences well cincinnati just lost to ohio state 42 to nothing you shouldn't be wasting your time with cincinnati doesn't matter what they're saying about you let it roll off don't even worry about it. Right, man. Like, it's like he, he like, has to get, like, these jabs back in. If someone talks shit about me you know, on Twitter, dude, it's just like, I, if someone ever, like, attacked me on social media, it's laughable to me. Because, like, bro, you know where I'm at. You want to meet up, you can say it to my face. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And it's not even that serious at that point. You know what I'm saying? You're a college football coach. Let, the, let let your dudes do the talking for you on the field. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like I'm so sick of hearing, oh, we're going to go give Pope f- the, some flip-flops, you know, you know, sign flip-flops for everybody, you know, and then, then we're going to go do these satellite camps and we're going to South Africa, you know. It's like I don't care about that stuff. Does that affect me? You know what I'm saying? What affects me is what goes on in the big house. 
Yeah. What goes on in your what goes on in your away games? That's what that's what I care about, and nothing's gonna change. You know why, Joe? Because I'm I'm a big Michigan fan, but I'm not a booster, right? You know what I'm saying? I can't I can't I can't sit there and go on strike and let stuff change. These boosters, these ones who hi- hold Mister Jimmy Harbaugh in such high regard, you know what I'm saying? And he's making them look like idiots, and the program look like idiots at this point. If you ask me, that if I was a booster, I'd say, listen, bro. You get your shit together because after this year, I'm not boosting anymore. I'll leave my money in my bank account. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think we live in a society where cash is king, where money talks, bullshit walks. If these boosters, right, if they want, they actually want to have their way and actually want to have a winning program, they could. They could play hard, hard ball on hard ball, but they're not going to. They're not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? And, and to be honest with you, they need to do it. If, if Harbaugh doesn't give us a Big Ten championship and at least get us in the playoff picture, dude, I think he should be on the chopping block. Him and, him and Patricia, to me, right now, are like equivalents. They're Har- in the same Harbaugh spot. should know that he's on a leash. He should know he doesn't run the school. But until somebody proves him that he doesn't, why shouldn't he believe that he's basically playing with house money every day of the week? You know, right? And and, and t- until until the boosters come up like they're uh, like like come up like the pit bosses in the casino and say, "Listen, bro, out, you're done in this casino." That's what the boosters need to do. Yeah, they need to cut off that line because cash is king. And and, and if Michigan's athletic department isn't getting money from the boosters. They're going to start saying, hey, what do you guys need from us? What do you guys want? We need your money. We need your money. And I'm as a booster, I'm going to say, tell Jim to get his shit together get the fuck out. And I think this is the, this is the year he needs to get his shit together or he needs to get that foul. And if, that, that, that was, if I was a booster, that's me. But I'm not a booster. I'm not a Michigan uh, alumni. I, have no, I, I can say this till I'm blue in the face, man. I have no, no power behind it. And that goes to 90% of Michigan fans. Yeah. The 10% boosters and people that actually have influence within the within the program, within the uh, college itself, university, are the ones that need to step up to this, man. And they need to listen to people. So, And I, I love I, the passion, Sasha. I really do. But, you know, you. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's part of college football. It's like we're passionate, but us as fans – we really, I mean, really, with any sport, we get um, we get basically no say unless you're the Green Bay Packers, who are like partially owned by the fans. I don't really know how it works. Right, I don't know how that works either. <laughs> but like, what, what gets me though is that the, I just don't want me to have the same like numbness I have to the Lions as I do the Wolverines, because the Wolverines to me is. University of Michigan is a, a way bigger part of my life than the Lions are. And if they if they go down the route of the Detroit Lions and I start getting numb to it, that's gonna kill me, dude. It's absolutely yeah. gonna kill me because it's it's gonna end up changing my kind of kind of also changing my views on the basketball program as well. And and a lot of it, and you probably probably like that's stupid, but it's just it's the same Michigan, dude. And if Michigan football fails, it's like. It's like, what, we just got secondary basketball? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't want to look at it like that, but if, if Michigan football does shitty, it's like, I'm not even, I'm I'm that less excited for Michigan basketball. And it's crappy, man. It's killing me, dude. And, yeah. and that's that's where the passion kills me because I don't want my passion for for both programs to, to fizzle out. But I feel like if one doesn't do good or the other, now that, you know, basketball's making a comeback here in, 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 in Ann Arbor, it just it's gonna make me really pissed off. I'm gonna be less of a fan of uh uh Jim Harbaugh when he does end up exiting Ann Arbor if he ends up. If, yeah. And you know, you kept saying Cash is King. Make made me think we were about to start talking about Cassius Winston and I got really excited. Oh <laughs> man, you, you when we talk about uh state basketball, Michigan State basketball is gonna be scary fucking good this year, dude. But that's a that's another topic. Michigan basketball, Michigan State basketball is going to be scary, scary. But, but hey. Mich- Michigan football was scary in the wrong way. Like, I talked to a lot of people who said they were scared. I was scared. Like, that Army was going to miss the field goal, and they did. I was I was actually, like, pretty much 100% fully 
rooting for him to make that kick. I, w- I really wanted him to, in all honesty. You know, just being straight. But I've heard a lot of people talking about Shea Patterson, and some of them have been kind of, like, making excuses for him. Like, oh, well, he kind of lost his confidence after, uh, you know, he got hit a couple times on the blind side and the the offense turned the ball over, blah, blah, yada, yada. He's a senior quarterback, and this offense that they're installing is geared to work with his strengths as a passer and a, a pretty mobile guy. If he's right. not – if if he's hurt or not, that's one thing. If you don't have the confidence in him, so you, you're taking the ball out of his hand when the game's on the line in the fourth quarter and overtime. And also, I I straight up do not understand most of the decisions that were made by the Michigan sideline. Like, no. I think Army got in their head because Army just straight up didn't care about it. They they're not emotional about going for, for going for it on fourth down or not. Like, they, they do it by the book. You know, the, the broadcasters were talking about the Army head coach has a, a, a system that, of analytics and numbers that tells him if he should or shouldn't, and every time he listens to it. He doesn't go with his gut, which, right. you know, has positives and negatives because sometimes your gut will tell you something the numbers won't. But sometimes your gut will do what Michigan did and go for it when you should be kicking a field goal. And, yeah, if Army had – two more seconds if they had one more time out no i don't i think we're talking about a one in one football team right now yeah and that's and that's scary but you know and, and plus about patterson is that you want to talk about his confidence dude i, don't, I honestly think that guy does not have any kind of pocket presence that's why he's he's way better on the run than he is in the pocket you know what i'm saying and it showed because he i just don't think he has no pocket awareness yeah you know what i'm saying but and he yeah. He's not a quarterback that really goes through his progressions either. He's, he's a one-read guy. You know, at NFL safeties and corners will talk about reading the quarterback's eyes. It's pretty easy to read his eyes because he's always kind of locked in on his first receiver. Yeah, most definitely, man. But I, I think Wisconsin's going to be the, tr- the truest, truest or uh, we're going to get out of them this, this year to see – you know, where they're really at, because I think Wisconsin's are going to give them a pretty good game come next yeah. Saturday. But, you know, that's that, that, that we got two, I got about a week out to, to watch that. So, you know, um, let's hope they fix a lot of stuff. Let's hope uh, these guys that are so called bang up, you know, get healthy and can play. So, well, only time will tell. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Michigan State made such a drastic improvement offensive wise from week one to week two in eight days, the way the offense transformed, I'm still in disbelief over it. I I straight up could not believe what I was seeing in the first quarter on Saturday night from Michigan state. That is (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I'm not, I'm not listening. Yeah, yeah. There's no way you're gonna. There's no way you're gonna change your mind on Michigan that quickly. I keep going. Yeah, Michigan State, dude, what a routing, dude. And it's just like, I mean, it wasn't like, it. It was like, good to see Lewerke back in his form. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know what I loved about Lewerke's game? You know, I'll, I'll, I got the stats right here. Um, he looked great. He was accurate. Oh, uh, 32 for or. 23 for 32, 314 yards, three touchdowns. He only ran the ball one time for one yard. And when he's throwing it like that and you're playing a team like Western, I'm totally fine with that. I love seeing Lewerke tuck it and run, but if you're having that kind of day, no need, brother. I mean, he did catch a 17-yard pass, which was kind of cool, but then he tries to split the defenders and jump into the end zone. I got I got pretty scared seeing that play. <laughs> I was pretty worried. Calm down, down, son. Run it out of bounds. Yeah, I was pretty (laughs) nervous seeing a Lewerke sandwich get made right in front of my eyes. But, dude, Elijah Collins came out of nowhere. I mean, we talked about him a little bit after the Tulsa game because he looked solid. 192 yards, and he did it on – where are they here? 17 carries in his first collegiate start. And also – 
uh, seeing how many times we can mention Cassius Winston in one podcast. Uh, he started alongside Cassius Winston playing basketball at U of D Jesuit. Fun fact. Nice. So extra props in my book. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of crazy because because I I think you guys were trying to gear towards more towards Jalen Naylor and uh, what's his face Haywood, but you know Elijah Collins comes out of nowhere, you know, and uh, right. gives you guys gives you guys a nice little weapon. You know, what I'm saying it's 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 cool to see, it's cool to see like new weapons come out of nowhere that people really weren't thinking that was going to happen because it throws a it throws a competition for a loop. You know, what I'm saying it's like here they here they here they are, you know. Uh, game planning for a certain dude, and then this guy comes out and just totally blows up their game plan. You know what I'm saying? And you know, that, that's what's great about you know college. We we saw it happen with in the national game with uh, with uh, uh, Jalen and Tua. Jaylen yeah. and, and Tua. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like that's to me that's a mark of a good coach. And we've been saying that D'Antonio's a good coach. He's a good coach. That, that that's why you cannot count out mm-hmm. Michigan State because. They have good coaching, so yeah, most definitely. That that was just that and was it was just reflection of their coaching. It was the way they the offense attacked. It was quick strike. It was semi no huddle. In some cases, it was no huddle. They were going off of big chunk plays. They had again. Let me find the stat: nine offensive plays of twenty yards or more. They had their best the most yards they put up 582 since 2014 when you had an offensive line that had jack allen and jack conklin you had connor cook at quarterback jeremy langford at running back uh tony lippin aaron burbridge at receiver that was you know their best offense that averaged 43 points a game first time you remember last week i was talking about how i hadn't seen them score 40 points since i was 21 and i was a different person then that's right First time they scored 40 points or more since beating Washington State in the Holiday Bowl. First time scoring 50 points or more since they beat Penn State to clinch the East Division the year that they went to the playoffs. And I would have been happy if they just scored 35 points. In all honesty, if they came out and scored five touchdowns, I would have been so happy. And now the question becomes, can they do it consistently? Anybody can piss in a gutter and fall into a, a great offensive game. Right. Are they going to keep that mentality? Because Arizona State, I don't got much to say about their offense, but their defense is pretty legit. And they got, they got a lot of pro prospects on that team. And they're, they run the same type of defense that Tulsa runs that was given Michigan State fits two weeks ago. So now, if, if something goes wrong early on, what is Mark D'Antonio and – brad salem gonna do are they gonna bail on it or are they gonna stick with what they were doing saturday night against western because that's great when it works what are they gonna you know uh what did mike tyson say everybody's got a plan until they get punched okay, in the mouth. exactly and you know what i'm saying maybe you're gonna see more lewerke's feet maybe you're gonna see more uh the, uh more him using his legs uh, yeah. than, his, than his arm, kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's like you said, he had one yard rushing. Maybe he's going to have a few uh, – maybe he's at 56 yards rushing, less and throws. I'd be, but, but go I'd on. be good with that. And it's it's right. a personal game for Lewerke. He's an Arizona kid. It came down to the wire, and he picked Michigan State over Arizona State. And last year out in the desert, he had a few mental errors that all when all was said and done did cost them the game. And, you know, he – he did have one bad decision on Saturday night. He kind of threw the ball off his back foot. It got tipped and picked. It was kind of a combo of bad decisions and bad luck. And, you know, right. when you make a poor decision like that, you kind of make your own luck for yourself. Exactly. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with a pick every now and then if you're throwing it downfield consistently and you're getting over 300 yards. You know, the offense didn't turn the ball over at all against Tulsa but they weren't moving it either. He had less than 200 passing yards and no picks against Tulsa. And I was not happy. If you throw for 300 yards and multiple touchdowns. Yeah. I'm cool with a pick. Like that's fine. You earned it, buddy. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, don't try not to throw picks, but you know, right. Um, I, oh, yeah, I prefer a pick every now and then if you're being aggressive versus being just auto conservative. Being... Exactly, but you know, but you know what the thing is that Michigan State has too, and I'm going right back to it: coaching. 
true. You know what I'm saying? Last year they lost against Arizona State, right? Uh huh. What do you think? What, what do you think Dan Tony is going to do? He's going to turn that into a chip on their shoulder. He's going to turn that fuel for their fighter. He did so great at doing that. He's so great at turning like the the media narrative or you know the social media narrative or the losses. He loves. He uses that as fuel and as an underdog chip on their shoulder. You know what I'm saying? So I think after what we saw week one, he kind of used that as a, uh, as a chip on his shoulder for the worky to start doing a little better. Now he's going to probably turn around and be like, you know, you lost this game last year, man. What are you guys going to do about it? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Type deal. So it's like, he, I don't know if that's what he's going to say for man. You know, I don't know him, you know, but he, he does that kind of stuff. He's going to take last last year's loss to Arizona and he's going to turn it into a positive for these guys. And he's going to and he's going to use it as a chip on his shoulder to fuel their fire to move past Arizona. That's one thing that uh D'Antonio does well, man. And I think, you know, we said that I said this weeks ago to you. Michigan State is going to be a sleeper in the Big 10. Michigan is going to be a bigger bust. I told you this. I told you this That's like right. 3 years. You said weeks it, ago. you said it on talking shoot. Right. And I said, "You know what, man?" And I, and I said it on, on our podcast, too. I said, we might have to be green and white fans pretty soon because, <laughs> because I think Michigan State is a sleeper. I think everyone, everyone counts them out every single year, man, and then they, sh- and they prove us wrong. Last year they didn't, maybe not the year before, but, you know, they've proved us wrong in the past, and I think Dan Dernan has a good track record and turning, you know, negatives into huge positives. So I think – I think they're definitely going to be Arizona State. I think it's going to be quite – also what I'm looking for. I think it's going to be – you guys – A little bit uh, one-sided? Not that. I think it's going to be – I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised and impressed the way, they, uh, the way they're going to uh, go after Arizona State. That's just my opinion. I love that. And what encouraged me the most, what really like signified the end of the Dave Warner mindset on offense – was that Brad Salem was really coaching and calling plays to the strength of the players. They were – a play that really stood out to me was um, Lewerke. It was kind of like a, a read option, and he's – he keeps the ball. He's running to his right. Two Western defenders converge on him. So it looks like they're both going to make the tackle. He's still behind the line of scrimmage. He flips it forward to C.J. Hayes on – this is first and 10. Boom, 13-yard gain, first down and now you're across midfield into Western Michigan territory. And um, I think they learned a lot about what they can't do from the Tulsa game. Right now, with the offensive linemen that are hurt, you don't have the hogs necessary up front to compete and really protect Brian Lewerke and whatever running back you have back there. They went to more of a zone-blocking scheme rather than a man-to-man blocking scheme, and it – it really did open up some holes and they put a running back out there who has the field vision. Elijah Scott has great vision. Connor Hayward is a, is an amazing athlete. He's, you know, he's the son of Craig Ironhead Hayward. He's the younger brother of Cameron Hayward, you know, he's built that guy's, I would not want to see him coming at me uh, 50, 60 miles an hour with the football. That's another thing that they did. They didn't, they didn't just take Connor Hayward off the field. He was out there. He was catching passes on slants or jet sweeps. Those are his strengths. Get him into open space. Get the ball in his hand. You saw what he could do on uh, a couple Friday nights ago against Tulsa when he caught a high pass from Lewerke, instantly made a defender miss, goes down the sideline, dives into the end zone for the opening score. That's what he can do. What he can't do is take – usually, you know, he's, he can do it every now and then. But what he can't normally do is take a handoff see which way he needs to go on the field in an instant. Cause that's when running backs need to decide where they're going in yes. a half a millisecond. Right. He, he's good at a lot of things. Making that decision was not his forte. No, so I like, I like seeing Elijah Collins and Anthony Williams out there. And I like the role of touchdown Hawk for Ladarius Jefferson. Cause he's right. a big body dude. Most definitely. And like, I don't think you need to be worried about state this year. I think they're going to be sneaky good. And yeah, that that's where I'll leave it. Opposite of what my boys are, but you we'll know, we'll I, see if we'll see if game three is more like game one or game two. If it's more like game two, 
my, my expectations are going to be building a little bit. If it's more like game one, I'm going to be like, oh, boy, you know, here we go. There's more smoke and mirrors on on this side of of the state. Right, most definitely. But, hey, man, only time will tell. We'll find out Saturday for the the, uh, Spartans. We'll find out next Saturday for Michigan. So, I think that's going to get a a foothold on, well, where our our programs are at. I think so, too. And there's a chance for Mark D'Antonio to get win number 110. And become number one all time uh, in Michigan State football history and wins. That's special nice. considering where Michigan State was when he came in and what he's accomplished here at Michigan State. That's that says a lot, and I'm glad that I'm here to see it. I'm glad that he's around to do it because I know there were times where uh, bigger, some would say better football programs were trying to lure him away. There were times that fans thought maybe he wouldn't make it this far. And I'm I'm glad if we're around to see it, man. Absolutely. So one thing that's been pretty entertaining to me, um, Herm Edwards is now the coach of Arizona State. We watched him a little bit on ESPN. You know, he was one of the NFL insiders, so it was kind of a head scratcher seeing him come out of the studio onto the he- onto the sideline. You know, trading the right. mic for a headset, but. He's, he's had some pretty interesting moments since he's gotten to Arizona State and um, mainly in his press conferences. I liked what he, he brought up this week. He's, uh, somebody asked him about one of the awards that he gives out to the team. and it, it led to him telling a story about when he was 13, he saw Jimi Hendrix you know, burn his guitar in 1967. What? He was, he was there concert? for that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's that's a great story, too. I don't think my story is going to happen, but keep going. So then, not that D'Antonio's story is equal to that, but, you know, D'Antonio's press conference was the next day, and someone asked him about that. I believe it was Chris Delari from the Detroit Free Press, you know, to give him credit where credit is due. Absolutely. And Mark D'Antonio had some good ones. He said uh, his favorite was he took his daughters to see Shania Twain <laughs> on a surprise, or uh, he got to be backstage with Kenny Chesney. Is that his name? Kenny? That's cool. Kenny, 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 Kenny Chesney, you're right. Um, but he said his – this is what cracked me up a little bit. Mark D'Antonio said his first concert was the Eagles. Really? Yeah. Can like you Hotel imagine – Yeah. So I'm wow. laughing just imagining Mark D'Antonio, you know, the human version of Grumpy Cat, just jamming out uh, to Hotel California and take it easy, you know. Slow ride. That may be the most anti-Mark D'Antonio song ever. Take it easy. (laughs) I just love the thought of a young Mark D'Antonio. Those those are two great songs. Sway into the music, you know? That's funny, dude. So we were scrounging for a non-sports topic, and we thought this would be a good one. So, Sasha, what what was your first concert ever? All right, my first concert ever was, okay, Pine Knob, okay, what is now known today as DTE, DTE Theater, whatever. Before it was Pine Knob, you know, and it was the same thing. It had the grass. You could sit on the grass, you know, or you can get uh, seats. So um, my really good friend, his mom works for uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and she got a stack of free tickets to Peter Frampton. Okay, this nice. is Peter Frampton. Mr. Man used to <laughs> show me you the way every day. So, like, I knew Peter Frampton was, you know, I grew, I grew up, my mom played Peter Frampton in the car, you know. So I was like, yeah, hey, it's free, let's go. We all, you know, emptied water bottles, fill them up with vodka, you know, <laughs> snuck them in, right? Well, I guess um, a lot of people got free tickets to Peter Frampton because the people that were there were all like 16, 17, 18 year old kids. <laughs> right? So right. what happens when you get a bunch of 16, 17, 18 year old kids together and they're all drinking? Fights break out and a huge, <laughs> huge, huge brawl broke out. Um and they have wooden fences that go all around Pine Knob DT. Now I don't know if they have them yeah. now, but they have these big wooden fences, dude. And I'm standing on top of this fence and I'm watching the fight from like an aerial view and I start falling into the middle of the pit, dude. And my buddy grabs <laughs> me and yanks me back. 
and we both fall on the ground. And now, but two seconds later, the whole fence collapses down. Oh and my gosh! And like we we stumble back, and everybody's collapsed down. And dude, there's a security guard there, right? And he's dragging himself out of the pile. The fence fell on the side of his leg, and his leg, and his leg dog legged right. You know, his right Ooh. leg dog legged right, and he was frigging dragging and screaming, dude. And like people were like so drunk, and someone walks up to him and starts laughing at him, pointing to him, laughing. I'm like, what the fuck is going on, dude? And the security came out of nowhere, and they just rushed everybody, and then. The concert was over. It was just like literally like a three hundred person brawl, dude. So that was my first concert was Peter Frampton. But my most memorable concert would have to be Up in Smoke, um, at Snoop Dogg at Cypress Hill, <laughs> Dre Eminem. They brought a big Bud Leaf on the stage and they're blowing smoke out into the audience. So that was pretty, uh, pretty wild experience for me. But yeah, my first one was Peter Frampton and it ended with like a 300 person brawl. And I saw a uh, security guard's leg go the way it's not supposed to, but you know, it's that's, memories, that's a hell of a story, dude. Yeah, it's a crazy story, dude. So yeah, we got out of there and, you know, you, you know, leaving, even leaving Pine Knob was crazy, dude. You talking about, a, a bunch of drunk uh, teenage kids like trying to leave like a muddy parking lot. It, it was, it was nuts, dude. It was crazy. Something that um, I don't think I'd ever want to be involved with now in my old age. Right. But it probably took forever to get out of there. Oh yeah. Like, like an hour and 45 minutes. I don't really have any like cool stories like that to go along with it. But my first concert I'm very pleased with was Tenacious D at the Fillmore in Detroit. Wow. Yeah, that they put on a better show than a lot of people would probably think. You know, Jack Black and Kyle Gass. Um, but yeah, that was my first concert at 16. Ugh, I'm trying to think of anything crazy happened now that, now that you uh, unloaded that story on us. <laughs> but I can't think of anything uh, crazy like that happening. But I just remember... <laughs> So the the album they were touring for was called Rise of the Phoenix, but Phoenix was spelled uh, F E N I X, and um, so the you know the lights are dark before they're on stage, and they come out in these these like white parkas almost, and they're they've got like flashing on and off lights, like you know when a kid's sneakers light up, they're kind of like that, right? <laughs> and they had I think it was their roadie or their assistant come out and take the robes off of them and then they start playing and then at kind of the climax of the song a giant phoenix bird erects on the stage and it's just a giant dick and balls it was hilarious oh my god it's that's a great story for you talking about it's like (laughs) that's like epic jack black right there dude most definitely that's fucking hilarious <laughs> it was it was great, and just you know, seeing Jack Black, one of the greatest entertainers of our time, was special. Um, hard hard to say my favorite one, but this year, uh, it it was so serendipitous that on my birthday, one of my favorite bands came to Little Caesars Arena, uh, Muse, and Muse just they don't just play songs at their shows. It's like you're going to see a movie almost. Because they weren't just on the stage, you know, the singer, the drummer, and the guitarist. It wasn't just them. Right. They had these, like, people dressed up as robots playing trombones on the background. They had these two giant, uh, I guess avatars would be the best way to describe them. These, like, avatar robots fighting each other. And um, between songs, like, the screen behind them was playing, like, these kind of scenes from you know like your typical horror or adventure movie it was it was crazy it wasn't just a concert like they were putting on an experience and it was crazy and the fact that it was on my birthday and two days later i was gonna watch michigan state in the final four is probably my favorite show nice dude nice and one thing this is like another it, it was almost like an optical illusion they had this skeleton behind them come up at some point in the show and it was like a giant robot skeleton like it had 
you know, skeletal features. And then it was almost like RoboCop uh, from the nose up. And it had one long arm that was reaching out over the crowd. It was something that, like, I tried to get a picture of it, but I, it just did not do any type of justice at all. It was crazy. Nice. And, and yeah. speaking of, speaking of Jack Black, it's like uh, me and my wife watched. Uh, uh, we were watching Aladdin the other day, the new one with Will Smith, and I love okay. Will Smith. No, he was not good as as uh, 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 as a Robin genie. Williams. Right, I mean Robin Williams. I mean he's not here and everything, but like me and my wife were like, who would embody Robin Williams and the genie? And we're like, Jack Black would have been the best, the best pick for that Jack Aladdin. Jack Black would have been amazing. And, and no disrespect to Will Smith. I love Will Smith. No disrespect for him. I just did not like him as a genie. You know what I'm saying? I think, right. Jack, Black, I think Jack Black would have been, he would have embodied what Robin Williams laid down for the original Aladdin. You know what I'm saying? Genie. So but that was just a, a little side note because I love Jack Black. And that he's doing an album with uh, Jack White, and they're going to call it Jack Gray. Jack, or, or a song. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Black and Jack White are doing a song or an album, and they're gonna call the song or the album Jack Gray. I gotta read up on it a little more, so we might we I might I might download it and we can put it on our podcast so people can listen to it. Yeah, I heard about that on um Jack Black's YouTube channel, Jablinski Games, which is a good one to follow. Nice. But yeah, I think that covers everything we wanted to get to today. Yeah, so. You can find us on Facebook. You can hear Sasha on Talk and Shoot. You can hear me on the Paul Bunyan podcast that I just started uh, with uh, a friend of the show, Mike Olson. We're on Anchor and Spotify right now, trying to get distributed along more uh, platforms. Yeah. But yeah, right now, you can find us on those. Right. And um, yeah, thank you for listening to the Beards for Radio podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, Most definitely. This episode of the Beards for Radio podcast is brought to you by Farbar. Handmade, dyed, screen printed, and sewn products like hats, shirts, hoodies, and more. 100% original designs. This is a self-made small business started locally by Ypsilanti native and a good friend of mine, Farbar Bagarpur. These products are high quality, groundbreaking, best fashion possible, and will ship to you as soon as he can do it. Visit far-ebar.com to check out the next great addition to your wardrobe. Do it for me, do it for the beards, do it for my man Farbar.